This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. In five, four, three, two, one. Happy, happy days. This is the holidays right now. So I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, hope, uh, I don't know when this is going to come out. So maybe Christmas. Hope you guys had a great Christmas too. Merry Christmas. What did you do for Thanksgiving? Uh, I was going to have, so every, you know, year we get, my family and I, we get together. I was going to go to San Diego and then like half of the kids got sick. Oh, shit. Yeah, and then no one wanted to meet up, and then everyone was like, oh, and it was raining? Remember, mm. it was all, well, you were, you were in NorCal, but it was yeah. kind of raining and all that, so everyone was like, uh, let's just, let's just, ch- let's just chill some other time. We meet up a lot, though. Like, me oh. and my family, we, we, every birth, there's like six nieces and nephews, wait, no, four here, so, and, you know, everyone's birthdays, we're always meeting up for every freaking birthday. Do you, do you like Thanksgiving food? I love it. Yeah. I feel like everybody's half-half on it. I feel like a lot of people just eat Thanksgiving food because they feel like they have to. That's true. <laughs> you know? Because if you had an option of doing other foods besides Thanksgiving... Like, for me, oh, I did yeah. all Korean food. Oh, really? Yeah, because my mom was like, uh, are you going to cook Thanksgiving food? I was like, no, let's just... <laughs> Why would I want to cook it? Uh, yeah, like, fuck that. Let's just let's just have Korean food. So we had, like, a whole spread of Korean food. Like, we had uh, Korean short ribs. We had, like, chop chai, all this other stuff. And... We demolished all that food, but you know, yeah, that sounds good. With like American Thanksgiving food, I think once we have a couple of bites, we're, yeah. we just kind of move on. Because oh, really? Yeah. Um. Oh well, you know what I like is okay. So like, I don't ever like turkey from people. Yeah. <laughs> I like it from a smokehouse. Mm. So if you get smoked turkey, or if you get it delivered, that shit's good. Smoked yeah. ham, all that stuff. That shit's really good. Um, unless there's someone in the family that can like do it really well. In most cases, I never met anyone that can do it really well. There's, there's a lot of people who cook turkey really bad. Like my my cookie's yep. pretty decent, but then I, I I go through a whole process of like, I like sous vide it for like you know like a whole day, and then I deep fry it at the end. So oh, damn, you know, it's like a, it, it it tastes pretty good. But um, if I had a choice, would I rather have turkey or chicken? I take chicken all day. Yeah, same here. Yeah, same. It just tastes different. But smoked turkey, I love smoked turkey. So that and then you know the sides and the mac and cheese and all that. I think it's yeah, I don't know. You see, uh, my, my my buddy used to do this back in the day where his parents used to own a Chinese restaurant. They used to take their turkey and they sold out on their turkey turkeys every year is because they would do turkey uh, Peking duck style. What? Yeah. What does that taste like? It tastes like it tastes like the best like Chinese flavored smoked piece of ham, but huh. in turkey form. Because I love Peking duck, man. Dude, it, they do it. Imagine that, but as a turkey and the mm. flesh turns more like ham-like than, than um, whatever the process is that how they cook it. But it tastes like a ham. Like food, it, it's so fucking... I crave that shit every day, but I don't talk to that motherfucker anymore, so... <laughs> hey, is Peking <laughs> duck the same as those hanging ducks at the Chinese, like, barbecue place? You I know, think, like Samu Barbecue, yeah. they have the hanging duck, right? Those are Peking ducks. Okay. Yeah. Like, the whole process of making a Peking duck is so difficult uh i think that's why most people just don't make it at home don't they have like a special oven for it and then they torch it and all that shit they do all this crazy stuff like i've seen this process where they'll take this they'll they'll first they have to separate the muscle and the fat from the skin yeah because they need that separation to crisp it up right then there's this whole drying process this aging process they lacquer it up they cook it they dry it they do this whole spiel that's why i mean how so good though how many chinese parents do we know that they've ever made peking duck at home i've never seen it at home yeah you're right they always they always buy it out because the process is so damn annoying yeah i've been finding out too just watching people cook and this is this is interesting because i think a lot of people wonder how how so many restaurants in LA open and close. And I think like restaurant, LA food is very competitive, right? And I think in most places too, especially back in the day when we were super younger, that when people opened up restaurants, it was just a, a means to an end. So it's like, I need to make money. I can make a few dishes. I'm gonna open up a diner. 
because uh, yeah. that's like easy food to make. But in LA, you don't really have that. It's competition out here. Yeah. So if you want to open up a restaurant, that food needs to to make a point and it needs to leave an impression on you. If not, you're really just not going to go there. Mm-hmm. Unless it's like some of those later late night spots, which everybody just goes eat super late at night after the club or they're super drunk. Those yeah. things will survive. But just like with anything with cooking, and I always find this out during uh, Thanksgiving, is that there's a lot of people who think they can cook. <laughs> But a lot of people can't fucking cook. <laughs> and it is a terrible, terrible fucking thing, man. <laughs> what makes you say that? Like from potlucks? Or you mean like just from... Just because rest- I've, I've had food from other people who do Thanksgiving food. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, fuck, man. Like, you can't fucking cook. But they gas themselves up so hard. And they invite us over. They're like, yo, man, I'm about to do this whole feast. I'm going to make this ham. I'm going to do this turkey, this mac and cheese, four cheese mac and cheese. And I go there. I'm like, yo, what? this food is trash. Like... The people are better at making food look good than making food taste good. Oh, yeah, that's true. Why is that? Like, they don't know how to season right. And to me, seasoning's so simple. Yeah, you salt, bitch. Yeah. Like, fuck, man. Exactly. <laughs> One of our friends, like, I'm, I'm not going to put this motherfucker on blast. Even though, oh, God, I wish I really could, but I'm learning how to be a better person. But every time this motherfucker invites me over, right, and this person always gasses themselves up. They're like, yo, on Instagram, like, cooking up this meal. And, you know, people, like, also... Tell her that, yo, like, oh, I wish I could have some of that food. Yeah, it looks uh, good. And I went over this person's house a couple of times because I wanted to see what the food tasted like. And I eat the food. And they're just, they're gassing themselves up. They're like, yo, how good is that? That's just delicious. And I'm like, bitch, you did not use a <laughs> tablespoon of salt in any of this shit. Why? It's like, oh, oxtail soup, all this other shit. Like, this fancy shit, yeah. right? And I ate this food multiple times. And it fucking sucks. And so now... <laughs> Now, and, you know, for me, I didn't tell them that I didn't like the food. So every time they cook something, they'll oh, tag no. me and be like, yo, why don't oh, you come no. over for that? I'm like, fuck, I oh, should have no. just never. And I have to go there and eat that shit. <laughs> you still go? <laughs> I still go. Like, I'll, I'll try to ignore it a, a majority of the time. But then if I. You're if so I, nice. <laughs> it just. They, the, but the bitch doesn't use salt. Like, I don't know why people don't use salt, dude. Like, fuck. Why is that? That's so weird. Because there, there is bland food. But then there's like tasteless food there's a difference right like bland could be like oh yeah it, it's it's clean i guess or you know what that is too yeah it's, it's that same concept and i always say this when it comes to food i'm not saying like i'm this amazing chef right but i make <laughs> decent food right people just because you it's like this example just because you go to college doesn't mean you're a smart person oh that's true just because you pick up a knife in a pot doesn't mean you're a great cook that's true right and it's the same fucking concept yeah so that's why sometimes when i go to these restaurants and I eat the food and you know some of this stuff is preference and other times it's not mm-hmm. right there's just certain stuff that the basics aren't fucking covered and um when i when i eat these people's food it's just the basics aren't covered they look at a recipe as if it's the bible for how something should taste and oh. they don't have a discernible palate for food i see you know so like when they when they make something the the the, the recipe said two te- two teaspoons they don't even taste it they go two teaspoons and they move on oh. so they're not really checking for seasoning they I don't see. understand why things taste a certain way why things turn out a certain way and they don't question their food a lot and so there's just no improvement it's like mm. anything that we do we have to question it and see what happens after yeah yeah you yeah know? it's a skill yeah, yeah that's Okay, that makes sense. I just thought that they grew up eating shit at home, so they have ba- <laughs> very bad like, like a bar. Like they're like, I mean, taste is just like music, right? Like when yeah. you eat, you listen. It's just a sense. Yeah. So some people, you know, they grow up eating really garbage shit, and they have like different standards. Yeah. And I don't know. Like, for me, I lately what I've been doing is um, I just been experimenting a lot on animal like broth or like yeah and then just trying to take in pure flavors like I'll, I'll i have a fucking fish head just boiling at the house right now what the fuck are you making are you making fish heads too i'm making some broth yeah oh like a, like because, a seafood broth yeah yeah because um you know i've been reading some shit about how collagen or fish oils and just all this shit is really good for you. Yeah. So the shit that we would make fun of Casey, like um, eating all that trash. Ca- Casey's different though, man. This <laughs> motherfucker would eat the toe off of a duck. Like this, guy, <laughs> this, motherfucker, this motherfucker Casey looks like trash and he goes, damn. <laughs> Starts licking his fucking lips. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> but I've been um, I've been more conscious about the collagen and the tendons and things like. It's supposed oh, to be really good for you, yeah? Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be for, for good for your nails, for your hair, for like your joints and all that. And I'm like, man, I'll just fucking try it out. Let me try this stuff. And then um, so now I'm cooking more for a purpose mm-hmm. and less for flavor. 
Yeah. So I mean, you could do both. I can, yeah. And then I'm discovering more things about flavor though from that because yeah. like. I mean, like when I make the broth, you know, I taste it first. So I'm like, oh, you know what? I, I haven't really tasted broth without salt because I'm already putting shit in there. Mm -hmm. So just being able to taste like the animal by itself, you, you like different things make it taste different. Like, for example, like like a pork shoulder might be different from like using pork belly or yeah. like. You know, like fish head might be different from using clam or like, yeah. and I'm like, oh shit. And then you start to mix the two together. And I'm like, this is why ramen guys go so hard with their secret, like 20 different things in a broth. Yeah. Like they'll have like pork with fucking dashi and, and then they'll have like Eat kelp and, and, <laughs> and they'll have the stem cell or like, yeah. you know, <laughs> they got everything, you know, placenta. And that's fucking crazy. But see, I like the way that you cook, though, because that, that makes sense to me. Yeah. So when I was doing, um, so I did this show, and it had to do with food. And so basically, like, there's, there's a lot of chefs that I see that come on. And once again, this is not from somebody who's a professional chef. I'm not a professional chef myself, right? But I do own food businesses, and they do well, right? So there's something to it. Um, there's this thing of, like, sometimes it goes one way where people are too textbook. Hmm. And so there's not a lot of soul in their food, right? And you could really taste that type of shit. Mm -hmm. When something just tastes so fucking textbook, there's no, there's nothing that's elevating their dish, right? Yeah. Or you sometimes you go to the right side where somebody's not textbook at all. They don't understand basic techniques. And so things just tend to fuck up, right? Mm -hmm. Like, for example, um, there's somebody that was cooking and you could tell the way he was doing plating swipes like how he was swiping a sauce on and layering things or whatever right but the the foundation of what it makes a good dish wasn't there for example salt <laughs> fucking bitch you know what i mean no like, salt no it salt like no seasoning Why? right and things don't make sense right so they're, they're they're picking apart small things that they like here and there and they're trying to put it into a singular dish without thinking of something being cohesive right so it's like cool so you did this you know gelée technique and you did this foam that's cool it's technically there why yeah. is it on this plate what am i tasting you know and so people don't understand too when sometimes you have too too much powerful flavors they'll cancel each other out and mm. it just tastes like nothing yeah and people don't understand that concept that's why there's levity in a dish right there's acid there's fat there's texture it's just to take you somewhere right yeah and i think that we have such a high access for food people are, are having trouble with like really focusing on one thing. Work on like foundation and basics to why food tastes a certain way and then build on top of that. Which I, this is why I like um, Japan a lot because yeah. they do apprenticeship and they work on those foundation basics a lot. You learned how to make an egg for 20 years, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> Dude, that fucking guy yeah. in Jiro, well, he opened up his own really popular restaurant in Seattle now. Yeah. Now he's like the top sushi chef in like in the States. It's crazy, man. And this motherfucker was making an egg for like 10 fucking years. And he sucked. He kept getting bullied. I know. <laughs> like, Your egg are not good yet. And then he would just kept doing it over and over. He said that when he finally got, he said, you did a good job. He busted down crying. <laughs> Japanese people are very particular about their shit, but I think OCD, super OCD, man. And I think that's what I like about uh, when we went to Japan. Like, yeah. I, we kind of taste, and I saw that ramen uh, doc too. Oh yeah, ramen, ramen heads. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? Dog, dude, that shit looks crazy, man. Yeah, and they're superstars out there. Yeah, that guy was fucking balling. The 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 main, like rock stars rock star yeah. dude, and then they're all tatted up and yeah. like they have like themes, and they always have like these. Big ass lines. This podcast is brought to you by Skillshare, my friends. If you have not heard of Skillshare, well, let me tell you about Skillshare. Skillshare is all about lifelong learning. I know there's a lot of people out there that have hobbies or maybe even some new entrepreneurial skills that you want to develop outside of the stuff that you already know. Well, Skillshare have, has thousands of class on deck for you to pick and choose from. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of amazing classes covering dozens of creative skills. You can take classes in everything from photography and creative writing to design, productivity, and a whole bunch more. So whether you're returning to a longtime passion project, challenging yourself to get outside of your comfort zone, or simply exploring something new, Skillshare has classes for you. I am an amateur photographer. Uh, I'm getting better at it every day. 
but I need to know my basics and I want to learn these things outside of just, you know, I don't know, picking up a photography class uh, in a community college. And I want to learn at my own pace. I'm a busy guy. So Skillshare has a huge library for me to pick from uh, specifically in something that I want to know, which is photography. There's videography skills. There's a whole bunch of stuff. But I've been using photography and I got to tell you, it's helped me out a lot. Brushed up on my foundations. So check it out. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering Genius Brain listeners two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash brain. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash brain to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash brain. Man, I want to go to I want to go to Japan just to like a ramen tour. Like they have um, All the ramen spots. tour guides that oh, will really? take you. Yeah. They'll just take you to every single spot that's like and, – and things change too. Like I think um, by the time we know what's popular in the States or outside, they already moved on. Yeah. Like you know how Jiro, when the Netflix documentary and all that came out, um, you know, we thought he was popping. And then my mom was like, oh, he's old news, man. That's crazy. Like she she looked at me like I was lame and outdated. She's like, everyone <laughs> out here. Mom. <laughs> yeah, dude. My mom's like – no, everyone it, like his son is where it's at now. Like, oh, because out there, the traditional shit is not what they want. They want something fresh. Everything's new. evolving. Yeah. So like for us, we want the core traditional because we can't have that. You know. Yeah. And when we go there, we're like, give me, a, give me the traditional, authentic Japanese stuff. And then we get it. But to them, they're like, we get this every day. That's mm. traditional. That's what my grandma eats. When I had, um, when I was looking at them making ramen, uh, the, the the main guy that they were focusing on, that fool on his off day eats at least three bowls of ramen. Yeah, yeah. that's fucking crazy. All he eats is ramen. He doesn't eat anything else. That's fucking crazy. That's so obsessive. And his noodles were so much thicker yeah. than any ramen I've ever seen. It's even thicker than skimming. Mm-hmm. And that's for his regular ramen too. He uses the same noodle. Yeah, that's his style. What's cool about ramen though is it's like very un-Japanese. Because oh, it's Chinese, right? Originally, yeah. So it's very, um, it's free. There's a lot of freedom there. Mm. So the food culture in Japan is like there's a lot of traditional dishes that they're very particular about preserving the culture and making it as like orthodox as possible. They have that concept, right? So in Japanese cooking, it's kind of like it's too. I don't know, pretentious in a way where it's like, it has to be this way. And if it's not that way, then it's not perfect. Yeah. But ramen is one of those things where it's not considered Japanese. So there is no traditional Japanese thing to it. So you could do whatever you want. Yeah. So you can use whatever broth, you can do anything really. So that's why they can go out and go wild. That's why they have so many different variations of it. It's, yeah, it's like the it's like the punk culture of food in Japan. Oh, really? Yeah. So like ramen is like the cool like, like you can be fuck whatever. You. Yeah, that's why those guys are all tattooed up and like cool and like you know. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting because I always have you know. It's weird when people think that um, because yeah, we do food they. I hate this one word that I'm really starting to hate, and it's because I think I, I I'm, I'm at fault for this too is uh, authenticity, right? So when people talk about food, they go, "Well, that's not authentic, so it's not good." What what, what does authentic mean? And, and and I really have to ask this to people, just because like authenticity in terms of food, and I really directing this towards fucking white people. <laughs> it's like you guys talk about like authenticity about other food. It's like, well, this isn't really authentic. It's like, well, what the fuck do you know? And Maybe they're just talking about non-commercialized, like, whitewashed versions of it. Yeah. And I, I don't want people to really think about this when it comes to food and you say something like authentic. If I had a group of 100 Korean people, right, and they all, and obviously they all – each 100 people, they had their parents. And I told all 100 people their parents should make a tenjang jjigae, which is a – Bean paste fermented soup, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's a stronger form. Tenjang is a very strong form of miso. It's way more fermented. It smells like fucking butthole, right? <laughs> yeah, I've, my, I've, I've had that before. Yeah, it's one of my favorite soups. Every single parent that makes that, their, their tenjang jjigae will taste completely different from the other person. Because everyone's toes smell different. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> it's the same bacteria. So you make, so the reason why I bring that up is because, so when we're talking about authenticity, what's really authentic, right? Who's to say out of all those hundred dishes where each hundred person made that different and they're all Korean or Korean American, 
whose who's soybean paste soup is, is uh, authentic? I don't know. Exactly. You don't know. Everybody has different variations of their food. Yeah. And I think that when we kind of tell people that food should only be this way in a certain way, we kind of pigeonhole ourselves and we don't allow food to evolve, which yeah. food should always evolve. You do not want to eat a lot of the food that we ate 100 years ago now. Yeah, I mean, all the food in Japan has evolved. So, like... Look at the, the <clears throat> baked goods in Japan. Oh, yeah. Oh. They learned that from um, the Dutch. That's so dope. They learned how to bake from there, and then that's why they call it pan. Mm. They they call bread pan out there. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. not a Japanese fucking word. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> when I... I mean, I grew up here in L.A., and... You know, in Little Tokyo or like Torrance, there's Japanese like restaurants, right? Then they're, but they're like a time like capsule. Mm-hmm. Like they came in the 70s or 80s or whatever. There's older ones too, but they kind of kept it the way that it was. Mm-hmm. So when I go to Japan, I'm like, oh my God, the food has evolved. It's so different. But if I go to like a small little town, it's similar to like how they have it here in Little Tokyo or whatever. Mm. So then that that's why there's all these new restaurants coming in from Japan that just blows out like the competition here in the States. Oh, because we're stuck in a time capsule. Yeah, they haven't evolved. Mm. See, that kind of makes sense. And I, 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 I like fusion food in the sense of like, I like fusion food when you don't know what the food really is, meaning that I don't like, I mean... Like you take a burrito and you just throw something in it and it's considered for use. You know what I mean? Like there's like let me put some cotton candy and a taco in it. <laughs> taco <laughs> inside of a burrito. There's like few. <laughs> I'll tell you this fucking nasty story after this. But like for example, um, what I mean by that, and we go back to the topic of authenticity and food. Like Vietnamese food is a clear example of fusion, right? Oh, uh, so good. Right. Though. A bun mi is a fucking French bread. With a Vietnamese version of a pate inside, which yeah. is also fucking French. These pickled vegetables, all this other the the uh, what's it called? You know the jet the if you get a a combination uh, bun mi, you get the um, that meat that pink meat inside. Oh yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's head cheese. Head cheese is like French charcuterie. You see that in French charcuterie. Mm-hmm. That in and of itself is a fusion food. Yeah, and that is food innovation at its finest. Yeah, like but, pate and everything. Exactly, yeah. but you don't hear people going, "Oh, that's not." real vietnamese food you know what i'm saying yeah that's true <laughs> it doesn't really make sense yeah they even have the french bread and the curry and mm-hmm. like with this curry yeah oh yeah the curry like curry's from the spices from india and yeah they and then the breads from france yeah people even talk about like the the new i think it was like southern style pho which is a lot more clear that's basically a, a consomme broth yeah, And so there's all this like influence that happens to food. And I think that when you tell somebody that they can't do something with food just because it's not authentic, that you run into an issue. I understand when somebody calls something that it's this and it doesn't taste like it, then you're like, okay, well, that's not what it is. Yeah. But it's your rendition of it. I understand because I, I don't like food like that sometimes too. Yeah. They're probably just talking about the whitewashing of food. Yeah. You know, when they make it more palatable for the Anglo-Saxons. The Anglo-Saxons? Because, I mean, it's when it's too ethnic or, like, just anything, like, even when you go to Japan, right, you have to, all that food, it's not quite authentic. Like, they have to make it for the population there. Same with Vietnam or whatever. Like, because there's Indian food, there's Chinese food, there's all that. Like, there's different kinds of foods in Japan, but you have to make it Yeah, for that population. And I think in America, that's what happened for a long time. All of the food was catered to the mainstream market, which is like if you're ethnic. Yeah. And then if you're coming into like a major city that has a high population of white people, you're Mm -hmm. probably going to have to cater your food to them. And also you don't have the right ingredients like the when you go out of state. Now you see more like of these Chinese restaurants that are like closer to the ones that we have out here but if you remember like back in the day like 30 20 years ago or whatever like the chinese restaurants they still have this like in the midwest or whatever but they don't have that many ingredients that they have access to yeah so they'll use like the local vegetables and all that but all their stuff is like it reminds me of like truck stop panda express yeah and i'm like that's what people thought chinese food was but they're just trying to like make do with what they got. 
But is that inauthentic? I don't know. I feel like that's American. Yeah, that's American Chinese food. Yeah, you know, which has its has its place because I fucking love American Chinese food, man. Me too. I love that shit, bro. Yeah, like I don't understand Asians that are like, that's not real. I wouldn't eat that shit. I'm like, I'll eat it all. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Like, I grew up on that delicious. shit too. Yeah, when you they give you the fucking wonton crisps with the little sweet and sour sauce that you dip. In Hell the- <laughs> yeah, dude. The fucking uh, the cream cheese wonton, bro. Yeah. The fucking general so chicken. <laughs> That shit ain't fucking real Chinese food or some shit. That shit's delicious. I dude. love, I fucking go down on the beef and broccoli. <laughs> yeah, man. That shit's hella good. I'm pretty sure, I'm thousand percent sure that's not authentic yeah. Chinese food. Some people, know? like, they identify their their identity with food too much to the point where, like, they, they find it offensive. And I'm like, man, if it tastes good, fuck it, dude. I'm yeah. hungry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that whole, yeah, maybe it's that whole whitewashing of, of certain things that people got really offended by because... I understand that to a certain extent. Yeah. It's like where um like we have these foods that we were made fun of when we we're younger, but then you just one white chef that tries to educate other people about a food that was already ours, it kinda takes the the it, it's our spirit from our food, like our culture. And yeah. you get to use it whenever you feel like it's okay to use it. Yeah. I think that's where people get a little weirded out by it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, hold on a second. I used to get fucking clowned on for that food. And now that, you know, you have, you know, uh George uh, Pickle McPherson comes up, you know, and he's just, he's over here just telling people like, hey man, so this is how you're going to cook chow mein and this is how it's going to be when it's authentic. Yeah. Because that's the verbiage where, where it fucks them up. Yeah. It's like, maybe you shouldn't have said the word authentic. Said, this mm. is how I learned how to make Chinese food from blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And this is, this is, this is my version of it. Mm-hmm. Cool. You know, but then when you say something like authenticity with the culture who didn't even get to own up to to the dopeness of it and you get to take credit for it first, that's where people start to feel a little weird, you know? Yeah. I mean, when I hear that stuff, too, I'm I'm also like, he's probably just talking to other white people. Probably, yeah. You know? I feel like like that, too. Like that one white guy that was doing, you remember he got a lot of flack for fucking the pho. pho. This is how you make authentic pho and all that. To me, what I saw was a guy introducing Vietnamese noodles to his culture. Mm. Not to me. To white people. He was talking to other white people that didn't know what this was. Yeah. So then I but I also see why Vietnamese people were like, what the fuck, bro? Like that that's not you didn't even do it right or whatever, yeah. you know? And then then it's like, oh shit, like maybe uh, you should have considered that the whole world's a part of this shit. But I don't know, man. This shit's kind of weird because you know that guy, um, Ivan Ramen. Oh, yeah. He's suppo- he's fucking sick, right? Like, yeah. I haven't tasted his stuff, but there, there's a man who dedicated He speaks years. Japanese, too, by the way. Yeah, he speaks Japanese. He opened a, a ramen. So Ivan Ramen's this Jewish guy from the East Coast uh, who went to Japan, l- fell in love with the culture, and he loved ramen so much that he worked at a ramen shop, paid his dues as an apprentice, built his own ramen shop. Successful ramen shop, too, in Japan. In Japan, he was covered in the Japanese news and all that. And people started, um, you know, eating his ramen there. Then he decided to come to the States and build a shop. And um, I was kind of thinking about that. And I'm like, man, that's pretty interesting because here's a guy who paid dues and he's dedicated his life to ramen. And then I'm Japanese-American and I haven't spent the time that he did. But if I open up a ramen shop, people will look at me and say, that's authentic versus because, yeah. him because, because I'm Japanese, face, yeah. right? And I'm like, but is that really fair to that guy, though? Because he's paid a lot of dues and he's actually lived in Japan longer than I have. Yeah. And he's studied under Japanese ramen guys. So who's going to be more authentic? I don't even know. Yeah. And, you know, when you say that, too, about the fuck guy, I could really understand him. I, maybe now that I look back at it too, and I agree with you, I did a whole video about it too, where I even parried it. But I was like, <laughs> it's so funny though. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I understand because it's just he probably was speaking to other white people to make sure that they don't fuck it up. Yeah. So he was trying to do a service to Asian people, but yeah. it just came off wrong. It came yeah. off like he knew everything, or like that's his shit. Yeah. You know, like I don't know. It's it's just man, when it comes to culture, it's so sensitive. It is, man. You got to be careful, especially if you're white and shit, because it's not really that guy that fucked up. It's just all the people that's been fucking up. <laughs> yeah. Dude, there's a guy also, too. He owns his joint called Pak Pak, and Pak Pak is his Thai place, right? This motherfucker goes to Thailand 
every fucking year. Yeah. And he he speaks Thai. He's a white first of all, dude, Thai is a very hard language in general. And if for a white guy to learn Thai and yeah. shit, and he eats like all the weird, like real shit. Pig coagulated pig I blood with spice. Too now. Let's do it. That dude that fool's like sucking a period out of a pig's pussy. Oh no. Like this fool's like <laughs> this fool's eating some crazy shit. And then, you know, you'll read some certain reviews like he's you know, why is this guy, you know, trying to represent for Thai people. He's not making real authentic Thai food. It was yeah. like, well, he speaks Thai. He goes every fucking year, learns from chefs over there, you know, pays due respect to the culture, make sure that it's authentic as he could make it or what his versions of it. Yeah. It's like, what more do you want for the guy? Like, she- like col- I think cooking is an, is an art in and of itself. Yeah. You And it's kind of weird for somebody to say to somebody else, like, you can't do this because you don't look like us. That sounds yeah. racist to me. That See, that's, yeah, that's racist too. Like coming from our side, yeah. Saying like, oh, you're Mexican, you can't be cooking Asian food, or you don't know authentic Asian food. And I'm all like, I know a lot of Mexican chefs at Chinese restaurants that could Ooh. make some real, they could work the walk like a motherfucker, like, you know? Lomo, gracias, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> Dude, I was in um, Sydney, Australia, and man, so it was like me, Darian, and and and, and Noah, and we, were, we, we did this seminar out there, and um, we had like probably one of the best Thai foods outside of Thailand. Like it was so fucking good. Right. And then we're like, man, who, who's like, who's the owner and all that. And then this white guy pops out. <laughs> good eye, Mike. <laughs> Literally. Right. <laughs> this white guy comes out and we're like, yo man, like compliments. Like this is probably the best shit I've ever had outside of like, this is super real shit. Yeah. And he's like, Oh my God, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. And he was saying like, you know, if it, it's always the Asians that tell me thanks, How good it is. and goes and and in white people, they they I get scolded by other white people. I don't know shit. He's like he literally gets scolded by white people that this isn't authentic. Yeah, I don't know and he's shit. like, dude, the cook that's in the kitchen right now, that guy's on a work visa. <laughs> like, and he's and he's like he's like so he 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 basically has this work program that he uh, rotates from Thailand. And he, I, um, him, so his wife is Thai too. So he goes out there and then like every time they find like a dope, like street vendor or something, they're like, oh my God, this is so freaking good, you know? And then they, they, they're like, do you want to come to America? And then they'll come in, I mean, uh, Australia and then they'll work at his restaurant and then teach his other, uh, Thai cooks That's that are residents there. Good trade dude yeah and then they so every several months they get new new cooks just coming in teaching them different dishes so it's as authentic or like yeah because it's fresh and it's like cooks that have like they're just they you know they were just in thailand like a month ago damn my mouth is watering that's just yeah so all the stuff and he's constantly trying to evolve and figure out like new stuff so he's very passionate him and his wife are both passionate as hell they're they live there like half of the year because his wife's family's out there yeah and um so but but the funny thing is he was saying like people would stop him and and they think he's like a worker there they don't think that he owns them and then they'll they'll say like yeah you know this was terrible this isn't authentic and like people will complain to him like they're like i've been to thailand and it's not i would just like bring this. out all the chefs and they'll just come out what's going on yeah. you know <laughs> like that's so weird though that's what yeah. i'm saying people who are so loud about food sometimes you guys just don't know shit so shut the fuck up like if you like like that's the thing too. If if something visually, that's why I like David Chang, right? When he was doing the whole ugly delicious yeah. thing, it's like, yo, the shit tastes fucking good. Fuck your perception of what authenticity is. Yeah, which is something I really vibe with. Does it taste good? Right. That's yeah. That's all that matters. Yeah. Does it taste good? And you know, we, we could, like I said, we can go and talk about you know paying respect to cultures or whatever after that. But just initially, what it is is how I feel about film too, yeah. right? Before you go in and watch a film, before you go ahead and you dissect this film from top to bottom about the lighting, the cinematography, watch it. Did you like it? Yes or no? Start with that first, yeah, and then you can go ahead and dissect it after because you're not even giving something a chance, mm-hmm. and that's what I just fucking hate sometimes. I, I also think people have expectations or like. So, like, picky people, they have a specific thing that they want, right? Yeah. Or they expect something to happen. So, even if something's actually good, because they're not open to it, they go, that's, yeah. not, what, that's not good because that's not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I get it. Like, if you bite into a fucking mango, you're expecting a mango, mm-hmm. not like a hamburger, right? So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they might be surprised, but at the same time, you got to be o- more open with food to enjoy food. Yeah, I had like, for example, like I've had Korean food my whole life the way that my mom made it, right? And if I just based it off the way my mom made it and, uh, and not thought about how something tastes, then I would hate everybody else's Korean food, right? But there are certain restaurants in, K- in K-Town that make certain foods better than my mom does. Huh. Hands down. Yeah. Because it's their specialty. Yeah. And I eat it and I'm like, look at my mom. I do hear that a lot though. People are like, oh, my mom can make it better. Yeah. Like they always say that shit all day. I'm like, then fucking stay at home and eat all day. Like <laughs> what the fuck? What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. That's how it is. Like certain, like my mom makes really great side dishes and I think she makes better than other people because they don't season it as well. But there are certain things that I've eaten at restaurants that I would eat their food over my mom's. Like for a fact. Yeah. You know, because they're just better at it than my mom is. right? And, and, and even my mom knows. She goes, mm, better than mine. You know, it's better than mine. And that's why she'll go out and eat that instead of her own shit. So being open to these ideas about food is, is very fucking important. Yeah, I can't I can't really chill with picky eaters, man. Picky eaters are hard to enjoy life with because food is like a big way of bonding for me mm. and experiencing life. Yeah. Like traveling, like if I travel, none of the people that I'm with can be a picky eater. Yeah. Or they can't like annoy the fuck out of me. Yeah. Because... I like to try everything and anything, especially if I'm traveling. So I think I'm a little more picky when I'm back at home yeah. because I have my go-to places and I'm like, it's a routine out here. Yeah. But when I'm traveling, I'm like, why don't you want to try everything? Like, yeah. I ain't going to go to fucking Costa Rica and then like <laughs> eat, eat a hamburger at the resort. Yeah. You know, like, I ain't going to do that. Exactly. Fuck no. Like, I'm going a, I'm to a eat whatever they got there. Yeah. And food, food is like... Man, I'm telling you, you just like having to level up with it is very important because, you know, just to go and this was actually supposed to be the topic, which is a really great segue. But basically, uh, they didn't want to. Some people just don't leave their fucking names as anonymous. Uh-huh. But they were talking about what it takes to to have a very successful food or, or, or a restaurant. Oh, shit. And, you know, which kind of bleeds into this topic either way, which is great. But that that's such a loaded question because there's so many moving parts to it. Right. Because it's, it's a it's a huge figuring out process. And we're, we're still figuring it out as we go. Yeah. And I think everyone has to define what success is to them. Okay. Because yeah. we did we did a good job of establishing that with our group. Because yeah. we were like, what do you want to make? Do you want to make a chain that like blows up and it's, and it's um, in every single corner like Starbucks? Do you want to have a boutique shop that's like very high quality and like it's only one location but the world knows about it like everyone has to define what success is to them specifically because not everyone's gonna think the same you know yeah yeah our our food business is too what i what i like about it i think more than anything else it's i mean if you want to boil it down aside from just food it's just to find the right people um we don't we take critique very seriously in the sense of seriously in the sense of what you say matters, but not serious enough where it hurts our feelings. Yeah. You know that's what I mean? very important. I think it's it's super important to listen to it depends on what you make, right? Yeah. So if if food to you is an art form, right? Like as in the sense of you take it so seriously to the point where you eat live and breathe it as if it's like a personal extension of your spirit and body then a lot of the times uh, public perception of your food if you think it's good it's a fuck you it, it, it's hurtful yeah. yeah yeah so there's a lot of like top chefs yeah who had the palate for it and they had that attitude and their yeah. restaurants do well because of the the level of culinary expertise that they have their palate the foods that they've eaten what they've developed yeah that makes sense we are not that. <laughs> we do not have that. And no. I know that about myself. We just know that what we like and then we put it out and then we make adjustments to see what's that perfect medium of what I can offer and then what you guys want. I call it folksy food. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's just everyday food. It's not, food. Per, it's not yeah, pretentious. It's not super, you know, it's like good quality food to enjoy and have fun with. Yeah. Because I like making statements with foods to a, to a certain extent, right? Yeah. So when we, you know, for example, with like the, the we had this uh, chicken wing spot called Wing Chicks, right? Soft launch right now. 
Um, and then we're working on it and we're expanding. So Joe and I worked on the original recipe mm -hmm. and we're not so like dogmatic on the approach where when we gave it to our team to develop it, we, you know, they, you know, they even asked like, do you mind if we tweak? I was like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Do whatever. Yeah. Do what you have to do. Like, this is what yeah. I like. I think a lot of people, they, um, can't get past this part and they get into fights and then they break up. I've seen so many businesses fail because of the egos about and the emotions and then the stubbornness. And I, and I think that's like probably one of the biggest things is like, can you make a dish and not get your feelings hurt when someone says it kind of sucks? Yeah. Or not even it kind of sucks, you know, like it's not for them or it's too spicy or it's this or it's that. And you got to survey a lot of people because that's the only way you're going to get better. But also take it with a grain of salt because it's a balancing act, right? That person might not like spicy things because that person just doesn't like spicy, period. So that information might not be the best for you. Yeah. Um, someone else might like be like, I want it more salty. But this person is a smoker and a drinker and their fucking taste buds are <laughs> yeah. shot, you know? So like you have to take into consideration each individual. And the more you listen I think the better you get instead of immediately trying to come up with the answer. Oh, the reason why there's salt is because of this. It's like you can't reason with people what they like or don't like. That's the thing is people need to shut the fuck up, let them taste, and then just listen to what they got to say. And that's the truth with all business, right? Yeah. Like it could be anything. Like it's it's it, it could be like, hey, what do you think of my fucking camera that I designed? You know, and then they'll be like, well, I don't really like how this lens is like this. Most designers will say, oh, that's because and they'll try to fucking defend <laughs> it. Just shut the fuck up and listen and be like, OK, take the damn note and really make sure that that's what it is. If you're feeling something about it, then you're not ready to be in business. That's my opinion. Yeah. And if, if, if it's on on the other end of like you, that's how you like it. Um, then you also have to understand what that entails. It's yeah. like, cool, I like it this way. I'm going to sell it. And if you're okay with losing out on customers who don't like it that way, but there's a fat amount that who do like it that That's way, true. then then stick with those people. Stick stick to what you know. Yeah. You know, for example, we also have a matcha business, right? We have two brick and mortars for it. We also have uh, a floating business that goes to different, different uh, venues and stuff like that. Uh, and we're continuing to expand that. For us to, as somebody who does matcha, we have to figure out for ourselves, number one, who is our target demographic? Mm -hmm. Who are we trying to bring this to? Who are we trying to make this accessible to? Because it's a very easy thing for us to go like, okay, only a certain amount of people like matcha. Let's put on 30 coffee drinks. Yep. Because just, just so I don't lose the, the, the coffee customer. And what I call that, it's something very simple. I always call it. It's like, don't try to be the Chinese sushi ramen shop. Chinese sushi ramen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you'll see that in LA where it's yeah. like a business does so many different foods that they don't want to lose all these different customers. So they do three things very mediocre just so they could try to please everybody. Yeah. And those restaurants, I kid you fucking not, unless it's like a late night place that's been open for a long time and is a staple. They always of a community, fail. They fucking fail. Always. Always. A hundred percent. Because their food has to be craveable and memorable is what I say. Mm -hmm. When somebody, I mean, think about your favorite restaurants, right? When you go into your favorite restaurant, how many times do you ever deviate from the normal things that you actually buy? You just go to that staple thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's your statement piece, right? Yeah. I go to this place called uh, Hamjibak in K-Town, right? Ooh, I like that spot. They have a, they have a fucking huge menu. Yeah. A lot of different Korean stews, all this other side dish. They even have like, like their Korean barbecue there. I've gone there now for 10 years. I haven't ordered anything but two dishes. Their their kanjatang, uh, which is their their potato pork neck stew, yep. and their pork ribs. That's I always get that too. Same thing every time without fail. Haven't gotten anything so, else. Sometimes since. I get the pork belly, the cold pork belly though. Oh, yeah. That's good too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, all this other, yeah. There's, a, there's another Korean restaurant that I always go to. Um, it's called Hamji uh, Park, but Kobao. Kobao does... So this thing called uh, posam, which is a soy braised pork belly that you have pickled different pickled vegetables with and wraps. And um, I order that and their hemul pajan, which is a seafood pancake. I order those two things every fucking time. Even though their menu is like 50 Huge. things. And they make a lot of great food. Yeah. But I don't need to order anything else. And that's how most people order. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Even when you go to a pho restaurant, right? There's mm -hmm. like 20 different phas you could mm -hmm. probably get. But people are like... I want the the fudak bit, yeah, or the fudai. Yeah, give me that. Same shit every time. So 
most yeah. of my friends order the same way too. They don't, I don't know many people that would like order different things. Maybe like Josh, he would look at the menu and he'll go that one. That's because that fool's like trying new pussy every time. That's what that, that shit is. <laughs> That's he's, basically what yeah, it is. He's like, oh, look at this pussy. It feels different. It's a little sandy. But he's like, that's, I mean, there's a few people who do that. I'm not saying that when you open up these restaurants, you shouldn't have a, a menu to, to, to have people try different things. Yeah. But understand that when you make your menu too big and it's not focused. That's true. That's when shit starts to fuck up a lot. Yeah. I, I think focus is the key, right? So like to do anything successful is like, first you got to define what success is to you because what's successful to me isn't you know, going to be the same for you. And that is like going back to the whole focus thing is you have to, you have to know what you want and what you're trying to achieve instead of starting something and hoping that mm. it works. Right. So when you, when you know, like, okay, what is successful to me is I want to be a superstar sushi chef, like Jiro dreams of sushi or whatever, yeah. you know, like, and it's going to be a very small place and I'm only going to serve 10 customers, but I'm going to, you know, have a menu that's like a thousand bucks per customer. And that's how I'm going to survive. Or you could be like, you know what? I just want a cafe that's open for breakfast. And so first you want to define that and be like, I want to, and what is your, what is your like epitome of success? Like I want to be in every street corner in every major city all over the world. Or like I want three locations or you just want one place, one little diner that you're open for lunch and then you have all this extra time to do whatever the hell you want. So I would say define that first and foremost because all of it is achievable. Yeah. It just it just it's it's it makes it less achievable when you don't have that focus. And I think a lot of people fail because they're like running around trying to um define um, when the success isn't defined they're running around trying to catch what they think is successful mm. at the moment so they go back to doing like well we can't not serve coffee because what about all the coffee drinkers that are going to come here or like they're they're afraid now so they're yeah. not being bold they're being afraid of like well we might lose business so we can't do this and we can't do that yeah so yeah that's a really good tip because i think um uh it's like I've had different business partners before and that was something that I've always tried to express and communicate with. And, you know, with, with, I've had like one that's, it's not failed, but that, that was the biggest downfall of the business is that number one, these partners couldn't take critique very well from customers. They thought that every customer, when they had a critique, they were dumb, which was not true. They had a lot of great things to say. You know, if a customer comes in, right. And that's the hard part when, when you're on Yelp and you're reading all these comments, when a customer says like, Hey, the, the soft serve was, you know, it was a little icy today, right? Um, you could say in your mind, they don't know what good soft serve is. Or if there's two comments like that, you can go and check the machine and see if it is, right? Yeah. There's, there's a certain level of like understanding when something's bullshit or sometimes where you have to stand your ground or, you, or it's critique that you should really learn from. Yeah. Like for example, if we have a matcha place, right? And there's a girl named Betty Beckerson and she goes, this is an authentic matcha from japan she can go fuck herself yeah. right because we've been to that farm we saw the the three thousand year old japanese ladies individually <laughs> pick the leaves themselves yeah. we saw the stone mill that grinds our matcha yeah. from our very specific place as that's as authentic as it fucking gets yep. that person who writes that comment i'm not going to tell them fuck you but in my mind i'm not going to change my business or the things that i'm doing yeah. because of that comment that's different. Mm -hmm. But if somebody comes in and they go, hey, when I got my matcha, it, it was really gritty and there was something wrong with it. I might check it. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, it might be one of the workers that's adding a little too much powder. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. But it is good to take and critique. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much more to it. But I think first and foremost, you got to define your dream and success and what you want and just go toward that direction. And I think so much, so many people don't take the time to do that. And... um Looking back, if I were able to do that again with all of my businesses, I think that would be a lot better for everything. Yeah. Um, for us in our in our restaurant stuff, I think we did have a goal at one point, and it was to um, just open up a few local places. And I think uh, we didn't realize how successful things can be, and I didn't understand the scale of this world. Oh, yeah. So once we realized how big this was going to be like we have a, we actually have a lot of wealthy fans who want to invest and who want to buy franchises who wants to open up a spot in their area in their country 
And when this opened up, it just basically changed the whole game because I was like, you know, I'll probably, you know, build this business with a bunch of my friends and open up five stores for each concept or whatever in L.A. and call it a day. Mm-hmm. But when that changed, like that, that idea really made my mind go, oh, shit, like we could turn this into a global thing. Yeah. So why not? Let's go for it. And then everyone was like, yeah, dude, like, well, the top people were like, we don't need this for money. What we want to do is make a mark. Right. So let's freaking go big. And then so it changed the whole idea of what was successful in our dream. So. And it could, it could, I think it could constantly change too. But once it changes, then how you approach it has to change as well. Yeah. And if you're doing this by yourself or if you have partners, I think defining, defining jobs and strengths are, it's very important because you don't want to step on people's toes. And you also have to understand when people own equity in your company and depending on their business, it's like you have to really clearly define what they do, how good they are at doing it, and if you trust them to do it in the fucking first place. Oh, yeah. So uh, a lot of this time when you kind of go, the reason why people say this, like don't go into business with friends. It's not because the the friendship part is fucked up. What's fucked up is expectations of what you expect out of your friends without clearly defining it before you start. And you start to see shitty parts of your friends. Yes, like you don't realize how lazy some of your friends are until you start working with them. Yeah. Or how selfish or how, you know, there's just shit that comes out. And you just got to be prepared for it. But yeah. what I love about business and what I love about all these things, though, is it either builds stronger friendships or um, it, it it builds strong friendships and it builds strong character. Yeah. So like, yeah, it sucks. You might lose some friends. You might go through all this stuff. But you come out stronger, you come out better. It's just overall, I feel like everyone should open up a business because this is how the country used to be, right? Like it used to be ran by small businesses, family farms, all that shit. And I just think it just builds so much um, Yeah, good like, personality traits. I've definitely learned a lot. I mean, if you guys want, like I told this personal story when we first started this podcast, like episode like five or six. But yeah, I had a business partner that fucked me over. Like he fucking didn't do any work, faked a seizure, did all his other bullshit, you know, just to get out of fucking work. Went to EDC, came back with like sunglasses and shades with dirts on his face and shit. Oh my God. You know, God. when he left the fucking store open to these people who don't even know how to run it. Uh, started using a company credit card to fund his private dinners. Did, did a lot of, uh, wow. did a lot of like shady fucking shit, right? And <laughs> Let me fake a seizure so I get out of a meeting. Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> fucking loser. I hope you're dead. Anyways, um, but you know, with him, and that was my fault too. Like I, I trusted his skills and ability as a chef, but I should yeah. have really tested his business IQ. Right. And I didn't really think about that shit because yeah. he's a he can make great food. Like yeah. I love his food. It's great. It's the problem with that is that just because you could make great food doesn't mean you're a great business owner. It doesn't translate that no. way. And I didn't think about that shit and i've done this a couple fucking times but i always i always fuck this up because i believe in people a lot and they fuck me in the ass now i've gotten so much better at it but like god damn it because joe, joe knows and then so you know this guy he he even had this huge like i like there's something small right and there was this other partner too where um this person always took things personally. So mm. they wanted to experiment and put things on the menu, right? And there's a few things that I put on the menu that did really fucking well and it was killing it. Yeah. And I think, because I think I understand people very well. I understand like this flavor profile very well and it does well. So they wanted to step up to the place of, well, I can make good, good stuff too. And I'm like, well, cool. Like, go ahead. So they put up their menu. It sold like two in like a week. And <laughs> were, they were pissed. Yeah. It's like, well, who are you mad at right now? Yeah. Are you mad at me? Because yeah. I'm not laughing at you. Because what I said was, I was like, hey, like, let's take this off the menu. It's not working, right? And they're like, well, I like it. I don't give a fuck if you like it. <laughs> it's not, it's not sell- selling. Yeah, it's not selling. We just wasted a shit ton of money. Fuck oh your my item, dude. God. It's not a personal thing. Right. And I'll, and I when I was talking to them, I gave them an example. I was like, when I, I, I put a secret menu item on, right? Yeah. And I was a little pissed because when I asked it to be done, it wasn't done. And they put it on there two months later past the season that it should have been out. Oh. And so they're like, well, it's not doing well. I was like, no shit. Like you, did, you didn't do it when I asked you to do it yeah. when we were promoting it. So, so it was promoted, but the item wasn't there. Exactly. People were showing up. Where's the secret item? They're like, it's not, it's not there. So duh, it's not being sold. Exactly. And lo and behold, it's because that person didn't want to put it up because oh it wasn't his idea. Oh my and so God. he lagged and lagged. I was like, see, it didn't do well. It's like, yeah, because the he marketing, sabotaged you it. Sabotaged yeah. The marketing plan wasn't executed for it. See, that's what I mean by like ego and pettiness and stubbornness. 
I've seen businesses hurt by that more than anything. Terrible. Yeah, it's because like like think about it. This guy's pride was hurt so bad that he sabotaged His the business. business making money. And I've seen that a lot. It's not just in your situation. I've experienced it. I think a lot of people out there and that's what discourages a lot of people from going forward. But then it what it ends up doing is like now you can see it from a mile away. If a motherfucker comes around and they have that kind of vibe about them, I think you'll be able to pick it out and go, oh, you remind me of this guy. I'm not going to fuck around with you. Yeah, it only took me 30 years, dude, and I finally got it down. <laughs> I finally got I could sense that shit. God damn it, man. It's just I believe in a lot of people's talent. But then I'm now I'm understanding that talent only means shit to a certain extent. There are, and when it comes to a business, honesty loyalty yeah and uh like dedication and understanding work is way better than somebody who's talented because we could find the talent and they don't oh, have yeah. to be a part of the business no you can hire them yes um you know it's like the artist's curse you know all they care about is the thing yeah whatever they're creating but also there's a lot of great artists out there that can work with people mm-hmm. i just think like it's one of those things about like you just got to go through sometimes it's like dating, right? You got to go through a lot of shitty people sometimes to know what you want and who's good, who's trustworthy. Yeah. It's the same thing with business and working with others. Um, usually like in a company, you know, the HR and the hiring, they're doing the filtering for you. So when you're working with people, like if someone fucks up, hopefully the manager or whoever is dealing with them properly disciplining them or whatever and kicking out people and so you don't really have to deal with that shit yeah but when you're out there in the world by yourself um it's pretty hard because you have to pick and choose and gamble with people that's why going into business where you really respect the other person is is very important because i also know um a personal friend of mine where they've so they owned a restaurant and you know the business did really well but what happened was because they had a disagreement on food items and with the way certain things were run, uh, specifically one of these partners decided to go off and do their own thing, mm-hmm. right? So they went off and did their own thing. But the problem with that was that, cool, you make great food, but a restaurant isn't just food. It's a no. business. It's a functioning living thing, right? And so this human being underestimated what the other partners did and thought that, hey, I know food. I can do this without you guys. I don't need you. Lo and behold, opens up their own restaurant, fucking tanks. You know why? Because he forgot that, number one, your other two partners were dealing with staffing, mm. training staff, uh, cleaning, doing the system, um, branding, logos, menus, all this other stuff that you really thought that, number one, was the easiest thing in the world because you didn't respect your partners. You found out how much they contributed when you try to open your own and you failed. And, and you're like, and yeah, and you're like, fuck, I can't go back to them now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're fucked. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, respect what people do and understand their job positions and understand that they do it well or not. Yeah. But that that's also another thing, too, is like never completely burning a bridge. Because if, if your friend was like, I'm not sure if I can do this on my own, but let me let me talk to the guys and go, hey, guys, like this, this, this thing, maybe it's not efficient. What do you think about me going off on my own? And then like, you know, mm-hmm. we figure out a situation here where like I don't want to fight with you guys anymore. Right. Yeah. And then so he gets their blessing, opens up a different place. Maybe they'll share half of each or whatever. He could experiment on his own, running his own place, but have enough where he can go back without his tail tucked be- bet- between his fucking legs, mm-hmm. you know, and he can go back and, and 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 really now respect them and be like, oh, fuck, you know, like, I do need you guys. Yeah, it's, it's just that, it's that problem of, of disagreeing with somebody without getting your fucking feelings hurt, man. I think it's always about, I think the Pride. core is, is all always about negotiation, right? To make... To be a great business person, I think it's it's really that, like yeah. always figuring out a situation where you can you can kind of uh, have a lot of options and come out clean and win for everyone. Yeah, because if, if if you guys want a specific example, it's like even with some of the restaurants that we have, if I ran it the way I wanted to, doesn't mean that the way the way I do it is right. It's just a preference, right? Yeah. It's like eh, I would take these things off the menu, right? But if seven of the partners like no, we like it and it's doing well, yeah. I don't give a fuck about my opinion. My opinion doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. <laughs> it's irrelevant. Right. 
It's just how I personally would do it. But it doesn't – my personal feelings about something um, that isn't doing the business any good doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't. And, it doesn't matter. And good is – to me is profit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's profitable. Yeah. People like it. People like it. Now it's just a preference. Mm-hmm. And being able to tell myself like, yo, man, fuck your opinion. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah, you <laughs> got to tell yourself that yeah. sometimes. It's like, well, your opinion doesn't matter, David, because yeah. it's doing well. So what are you saying? It's yeah. Like, it's true. And I tell myself, I'm like, oh, that's true. Like, it doesn't really matter. Right. And if if, if, a, if I'm trying to, like I said, if, this, if these businesses were my pride and joy in the sense of it was my art piece, it'd be different, right? Because yeah. then I would do everything by myself. But it's not. It's something that I want. I want to make accessible food for people to enjoy. Um, and that's what it's doing. Yeah. And that's what I get out of it. And so that's, that's the goal. That's what's successful to you, right? Yep. Because like you have to define that or else you get too caught up in everything and you don't know what to react to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I hope that answers your uh, business questions. If you guys are trying to open up a restaurant, number one, a lot of restaurants do fail specifically in this city. <laughs> yeah. I think one out of 10 make it first to pass five years yeah and after that it's it's, it's a free-for-all man because i've seen a lot of great restaurants in la that i used to go to there the food was good but they just up and disappeared mm-hmm. so um getting into a restaurant is very hard be very smart be very calculated and then um yeah it's tough it's a tough world out there guys and we're still learning too yeah so who knows well guys that wraps up uh this episode of the genius brain podcast where we talked about everything food culinary whitewashing of shit and how to open up your own food business and uh, you guys can catch us on any of those audio platforms if you see us on itunes specifically give us that five star let's get that visibility out there if you're seeing this on youtube leave some comments below about what you guys think have discussions have conversations and let us know what you guys want us to talk about next we will see you all next time goodbye peace